Welcome back to Bias Opinion Podcast. I'm here with PJ. This is a special draft episode. We got a couple of guests coming on this episode, but uh, we're going to start it off with um, going over Mel Kuyper's 4.0 mock draft. Mel Kuyper um, finished 53rd out of 100 ranked analysts in mock draft accuracy, but you need to pay to see his mock drafts. So um, clearly he's, he's the most well-known draft expert out there. PJ, how do you feel about Mel Kuyper before we get started? You say he's ranked fifty third out of a hundred. Fifty third out of a hundred, one hundred ten ish. But that's not that's not very good. <laughs> no, it's poor. It's, uh, but ESPN seems to think that he's the buy when it comes to drafts. So uh, he's 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 the, he's been the analyst on the main coverage for like thirty years now. Um, but yeah, he drops like eight mock drafts a year, and I think he gets. I don't know if he's ever gotten double digit picks correct. He got seven, I think seven right last year. And that was like a high from three years ago. He got two right in his whole mock draft. So how is the draft going to work on TV? I haven't really looked that much into it. Like Goodell announces it from the basement, and then they're like, are they like Madden players or virtual? I don't know how it works. I I don't know if it's a Zoom call with the players or there's there's like 58 different players that are going to be invited to the virtual draft. Claypool and uh, Claypool and Komet out of ND are in there, so we're going to see them on Zoom call or whatever it is. But I don't I don't is know the actual. Be- and then I assume like ESPN is going to have their own guys in like different locations. Yeah, I'm guessing. I know Goodell's going to be in his basement. I know that for a fact. Goodell, um, yeah, Goodell's going to be in his basement. Um, I'm assuming Kuyper's going to be in his basement somewhere or something. Todd McShay will be there somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know how this is going to work. It's. They're going to communicate via phone or internet. Um, they, and I'm going to give a ton of details on how this is going to go, but um, everyone's in separate locations. And I think I think even the team staff is, like, cut down. Because usually they have a bunch of guys in the war room. I think it's, like, you can only have a few people in the war room. Like, I think the law, the rule that you're supposed to be following is less than five people. So I'm assuming it's, like, they got four people in these groups. Mm. Um, but, yeah, going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to result in more trades than usual, some surprise picks. I think there's going to be guys that – the guys with um, injury problems are probably going to fall. That's my guess. If they have any injury problems, I don't think they're going to um, – I don't think teams are going to take a risk when they can't get any doctors to these guys themselves. But, yeah, this is it's going to be a weird process. I don't know. Yeah. Do on, on the injuries, I think probably the most interesting part of the draft is where Tua goes. Mel Kuyper has him going sixth to the Chargers and has Justin Herbert getting drafted ahead of him, fifth to the Dolphins. Yeah. I don't I, I really don't understand the Dolphins tanking for Justin Herbert. And the kid is uh I think he's he's been overrated, I think, his whole college career. He hasn't really beaten any good teams. I saw him playing the Rose Bowl, he fumbled he turned the ball over like three times. He he had a couple of nice running plays, but he's not fast. I just think that the holes are just wide open for him. And big game against Arizona State in prime time. Oregon's playoff hopes on the line. Coach Herm put a beat down on Oregon. And, uh, yeah, I think Herbert is a product of a good offensive system. And he's also a shy guy. He's not really a leader. So I don't think he's going to come into any locker room full of professional football players and win them over. So I don't know if you – I don't know how you can take Justin Herbert fifth overall and build your franchise around Justin Herbert. I think you might as well stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think – 
after the first two picks are kind of locked in, I think, from what it seems like with Burrow and Chase Young. Um, can't really argue with those picks. Chase Chase Young, I didn't realize how dominant he was uh, until I, I was looking at the stats. Where was like, he was top five in, like, sacks, forced fumbles, tackle for losses. And he's, like, an athletic freak. And, yeah, he's – He was I getting, mean, he was getting Burrow, triple teamed. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. And he didn't even – I don't know. He's he's absolute – and he played in a legit conference. He played in flag football. He uh, – Chase Young's a beast. And if Burrow – if if the guy in front of him wasn't a QB who just said every record in the Bucks, I he would be going number one in almost every other draft, I think, over the last couple of years. I mean, um, yeah, he's a beat. He's got one of the, probably the second most important position in football, I'd say. Um, just pass rusher. It seems like a lot of good defenses are built around pass rushers. So, um, yeah, I think the draft starts at three. I think those two are probably locked in. But going back to Tua versus Herbert, uh, Chargers and Dolphins, I think um, – I don't – yeah, Herbert – I don't think Herbert's really going to – I don't know why the Dolphins would take Herbert. He, like you said, he's not a leader at all. He's quiet. Um, people say that he doesn't – he barely ever talks. And he played in a conference that he didn't have to place a ton of great defenses. And when he did, he always relied on his legs, even though he's not the best runner in the world. It's not like he's Lamar Jackson out there. It's not like that's going to – I don't think it's going to translate very well to the NFL, his running ability. Um, I think he had – yards and like a good amount of games this season and that doesn't scream top five QB pick to me um he was he was horrible against Arizona State uh I think he threw two picks in that game and he was he couldn't throw anything against Wisconsin he had three rushing touchdowns I think but it was he went 14 for 20 for 138 yards averaging seven yards pass how is that a top five pick at QB? I don't, I don't know. And he, re- when he relies on his legs so much, but he's not that great of a runner, um, that's not going to translate to the NFL. I mean, it's one thing to do that against Pac-12 teams and um, or Oregon State or whoever you're playing against, and it's it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to do that against, um, you know, the New England Patriots. That's not going to happen. That's not going to translate. So I don't. On the other side, I think Tua. Um, if the injuries weren't a problem, I think Tua would be. Uh, top three pick locked in. I think he'd be third, second or third pick locked in. I think, but um, got people scared. But he's a winner. I was watching uh videos from his the 2018 national championship against Georgia when he came in at halftime earlier, and that overtime throw he made uh to Devonta Smith to to win the Natty was that that throw was iconic. That was like it was like a 50 yard throw, uh, and it could not have been more perfectly thrown and in the biggest of moments. Um, so, yeah, I like Tua. He shows up in big moments. He's a leader. Seems like guys on the team like him. High-character guy. Um, but the injuries are definitely a problem. I mean, he – and he doesn't have, like, the best arm strength or anything, which I think is overrated. Um, but it seems like all these teams, because of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, are just kind of enamored with the next freak athlete to come out. And Kyler Murray – and Tua's not really a freak athlete. I think he's just a good player. I think he's um, – He's accurate. He's smart. He's and he's kind of slippery in the pocket too. It's hard to move down. Although, because of his injuries, I don't know how that will translate. What do you think about Tua in particular? Yeah, the, the injuries are concerning, especially when you look at the college schedule and Alabama's schedule. They play like one meaningful game a month. It's like bye week, then they play LSU, and then they get a bye week after LSU, and then he's still he's still getting hurt. Like bye week, then Auburn, then bye week after Auburn. Like there's there's huge breaks in between every single one of Alabama's big games. It's not like they're playing LSU and Auburn back to back, and in the NFL. It's 16 games pretty much in a row. I mean, one bye week does a little bit, but 
you're still playing eight games in a row and then another eight games in a row, or whatever. And I don't, I don't know if he can, if he can hold up in college, playing one meaningful game a month, one big team a month. I don't know how he can how he can do it in the NFL. And most of the NFL quarterbacks, even, I mean, they're nicked up and they're banged up and they they play through. You don't see very many NFL quarterbacks missing time unless like their fingers broken or they tear an ACL. So I don't know. I don't know how he, if he's gonna be able to hold up. But if he can, then yeah, he's definitely. He definitely should be the second or maybe even the first quarterback taken in the draft. Yeah, I mean, be, until this season, until probably halfway through the season, he was – everyone thought it was a lock. I remember there was a report that came out last year that's like the Dolphins are preparing to take two at number one overall next year. And obviously the Dolphins didn't get the one pick, and now two is not going to go number one overall. They still might end up with them. I think it would be a much better pick than Herbert, even with the injury risk. I just – yeah, like I, I 100% agree with you on Herbert. I just don't think he's a leader. I don't think he's – um, and he's not, he's wicked and consistent and he's just not that good of a passer. It seems like he, he always has happy feet and he's kind of, um, he runs out of the pocket immediately. Whereas Tua, I think, I don't know, he's a winner. He's, he's a beast. And he, even though he doesn't have the best arm strength, his deep ball is still, it's usually pretty money. I mean, uh, he completes a ton of deep passes to Ruggs and Judy and all those guys. And even if it's against some bad competition, when he does it, it's against Arkansas or whoever, um, uh, that's, he his deep ball is, I think, getting underrated by people just because he can't throw it eighty five yards like Mahomes. I think he, um, I think he's got an accurate deep ball, and I think that's what really matters more. So I, I don't know. He and like Drew Brees was failed all his physicals uh, before the draft and had injury problems for the first couple of years of his career, and now he's going to the Hall of Fame. So I don't, um, I don't think it's a death sentence even if he can't. If 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 the worst case scenario, I think he can't play next year, which. According to all like the doctor and stuff, that's not the case at all. But worst case scenario, I still think that's not his death for his career. And I think if he falls in the draft, someone will probably get a steal. That's my take on it, at least. And I, I hope he falls to the Patriots somehow, but I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Moving on. Yeah, a uh, few other players in the top ten that I like: uh, Isaiah Simmons, Clemson, going fourth to the Giants, scoring Mel Kiper. It seems to be a popular spot for him and. Yeah, he when they played against Ohio State, he was all over the field and basically in every single, def- like the you know like the camera angle behind like above the quarterback where like you can see what the quarterback's looking at the defense. It seemed like Isaiah yeah. Simmons was pretty much around every single play, every single time. So he's definitely very talented. And then the seventh overall pick, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle for Auburn. Every single time I watched Auburn, I mean that guy is he 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 was getting double teamed in the middle every single time. So I think if Panthers taking him at seven if they need somebody to help stop the run. He is he is definitely the guy. That guy is underrated. And the Auburn coach said he was the best player in the country. And I mean he he might not be the best player in the country and he might be just standing up for his player, but still I think he's he's gonna be a beast. And yeah, I'm a big fan of uh Derek Brown from Auburn. I got so I got I the Derek Brown pick, that guy, I think he's a beast. He's probably a beast. I don't I not like I watched him extremely closely this season, but um yeah, I mean, everyone says he's a beast. I I can't disagree with that. Um, but uh, I think the Panthers. I think Matt Rule. I think he's going to go completely off the board with this pick. That's my prediction. At seven, he he's already shown that he wants to bring all his Temple and Baylor guys to uh, what's it called, Carolina. So my bold prediction: I think Matt Rule is either going to trade down and draft that Baylor wide receiver Mims, uh, the big fast guy wide receiver that's coming out. He had he actually had wicked good stats and I kinda wanna talk about him later, but 
Um, I think he's going to trade down for that guy or just go something completely ridiculous here off the board. I think, I don't know, I'm feeling Matt Rule just completely coming out. Of Matt Rule just completely. That would be a good pick, um, I think. But, yeah, the, the Panthers have already made a couple of weird moves that people didn't see coming at all this offseason. So I think I think it's going to continue the trend. I'm thinking Matt Rule just uh, electricity factory out there at the, in the NFL draft on Thursday. I think it's going to be good stuff. It's going to be an exciting team to watch. And then um, Simmons, uh, yeah, that guy's a beast. He's a He plays slot corner sometimes. Corner sometimes. As a linebacker, I think that's pretty impressive. He kind of he's like he's kind of like Honey Badger. I feel like but bigger. Um, he just plays everywhere, and uh, he's a freak athlete. And yeah, that's a that's a good pick. So I can't disagree with any. I mean, he's been on the most successful college football team over the last three or four years. So um, he's a winner. He's well coached, wicked good athlete, wicked good player. It seems like so. Yeah, can't argue with that pick. That'd be a good pick. Um, but uh, Mel Kiper. I think probably the worst pick in his top 10. He has the Judy at uh, nine, I think. And that's got to be, I, I hate that pick. I hate everything about it. DJ Chark is a wide receiver one. DJ Chark's a beast. They got D.D. Westbrook in the slot. So I, I don't think they needed a wide receiver. That that defense has already lost like almost everybody they have. They lost their number one and two corner. Um, they lost Clays Campbell a year ago or whatever. They lost, I don't know, that defense is a, Ridiculous amount of holes on it. Their offense, their QB. People, oh, they got to build talent around Minshew. Minshew had three good games. Maybe. <laughs> Fell off a cliff. I would know. I had him on my fantasy team all year. And it was a waste of a pick. After two good games, he fell off a cliff, and I kept believing. He was a waste of space. And he was no better than Nick Foles, really, after his couple good games. So, I don't feel all building around Minshew. I don't think Minshew's very good. I think he's very overrated. So, I don't think... I don't think wide receiver is the need. Wide receiver is probably one of the only positions they don't have a need at. So why would the Jags take a wide receiver at nine? And Kuiper's like, oh, he compliments Chark well. And I, who cares, Kuiper? That that is awful. If the Jags take a wide receiver at nine, that's got to be, that's going to backfire ridiculously. They're not. They're going to be picking in the top five for the next five years, guaranteed. But uh, and my my favorite pick of the top ten for Mel Kuiper. My bad. I'm kind of. No, you're good. There. But. Brown's taking uh, left tackle Makai Becton. That guy's like that's that's one of the biggest people I think in the NFL. The man he just drafted. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't watch Louisville football. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a draft expert here, but the Browns' O line is one of the most embarrassing things I saw in football last year. So I think Makai Becton's a, a fantastic pick at ten. Yeah, the Browns definitely need a online help. So I like that pick. And then also they have, he has the Cardinals taking an offensive tackle from Iowa. Uh, the Cardinals can definitely use some offensive line help too. And I, I saw in like prior mock drafts before the Cardinals drafted DeAndre Hopkins or traded for DeAndre Hopkins that they're going to take a wide receiver, but obviously they don't need a wide receiver anymore, so they can take an offensive lineman. And then for Jerry Judy, in a few of the games, the big games I watched this year of Alabama, he was dropping some passes, so that worries me. And then also, Alabama has like four nasty wide receivers, so it's kind of hard to double team any one of them. So if Jerry Judy's on a bad team, I want to if he gets double teamed and he can't run past Arkansas safeties who can't run. I, I, I want to see how some of these Alabama wide receivers do in the NFL. They might be talented, but I think they definitely helped having a great quarterback like Tua playing against crap teams like Citadel and all Miss guys. And then you also you can't you can't double team any Alabama wide receiver because they have four of them who are gonna if not this year then I think a few next year they're gonna go in the first round. So uh, it's kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster like he had a great year for the Steelers and then Antonio Brown left. 
and then he got double teamed, and he didn't really do anything. So, I don't know. I think for a few of these Alabama wide receivers, the transition to the NFL might be a little tough, not having to uh, having a few double teams and not being able to run past uh, safeties who aren't really that good. Yeah, I, I agree with I think it's going to be – because they don't – Judy was – he's not really even the wide receiver one there. I think Devonta Smith might have had better stats than him maybe. I could be wrong there, but – Devonta Smith isn't even entering the draft, but that guy's. I think Devonta Smith might be the best receiver on that team, or at least you can make an argument. Um, so yeah, it's that's weird, and they had a great QB, like you said. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Going to be interesting. I wouldn't taking Jerry Judy at nine just seems like one of the worst. That's a horrible take by Mel. I think that's. I might get exposed if Jerry Judy becomes Julio Jones two point But from what I've read about him, he's he's more like Calvin Ridley than Julio Jones. I don't know. That's just Devonta Smith is uh, going back to school. Yeah, I don't know. Devontae Smith, I think, was the wide receiver one on that team, though, I think. Or at least, I think he had better numbers than Judy, slightly. But um, after the top ten, I think, yeah, Mel Kuyper has the Jets taking uh, Alabama left tackle Jedrick Willis Jr. I think he goes to Alabama um, at 11. And that's probably a good pick. I think taking SEC offensive linemen, that's always a safe, good pick, especially when you don't have a good offensive line. But I think that he's completely wrong here because the Jets don't play good football. The Jets play bad football. Um, the Jets, the Jets is just pure bad football. They they screw up the draft every year. So I'm predicting the Jets take a wide receiver here. That's my pick. I'm, t- I'm picking the Jets to go Henry Ruggs at ten mm-hmm. or less, whatever they pick, um, or a running back. I I just something something tells me the Jets are going to go completely off the board or take like an injured guy. Um, and then the Raiders, they have the Raiders drafting. C.J. Henderson out of Florida at 12, I think, or 11. I don't, I don't have my numbers on my Google Doc. Sorry about that. Um, 12, C.J. Henderson, Florida. I think John Gruden in Mayock, they drafted all guys out of Clemson and Bama last year. So I don't I don't see why they'd be any different this year. I think they're going to stack up on LSU. So I'm predicting they don't have a wide receiver for <laughs> So I think they're going – I'm predicting Justin Jefferson at 12 or the linebacker at LSU, Queen. Or um, there's one more LSU guy that could go round one. I, I, uh, Clavon Chiason, outside linebacker. Yes, or Clavon. Yeah, those. There's a. I think I I would I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that the Raiders are going LSU round one with that pick at twelve, uh, just because Gruden loves winners, and I I can't argue with the strategy. I it it kind of worked last year. I thought the Raiders were kind of an underrated team last year. Right. Um, they have a lot of holes on defense. They need a corner. They're definitely not wrong there. But uh, their secondary is pretty terrible. But I don't know. I'm feeling LSU. So, or the best team, it, But I don't think that guy's going 12. I think he was pretty bad last year. But he was really good two years ago or something like that. But, yeah, that's all I got for those two picks. And then, yeah, the, the 49ers, 13th. I've been looking at a bunch of different mock drafts. And a lot of people have them taking a wide receiver. And I kind of like that. I don't usually like taking wide receivers high in the draft. But if you, the 49ers last year seemed to have – the best offensive line in the league, their defensive line was stacked. So they're in a position where they can't afford to take a risk on one of these skilled players. Mel Kuyper has it, C.D. Lamb. I'm not a big C.D. Lamb fan at all. Played in flag football, wide open every single play. I guess, I don't know, the NFL kind of is like that too, but I don't I don't know. I'm not a big C.D. Lamb guy, a little show off. I'm not sure how physical he's going to be in the NFL, so I would not take C.D. Lamb at 13. But I, would, I do like uh, the 49ers taking a wide receiver because they – they have pretty much the rest of their team drafted pretty well, so they don't really need to take a lineman or a 
linebacker. They can take a risk on a skill position guy because Jimmy G didn't really have anybody to throw to last year. They tried to trade for Emmanuel Sanders, and that was okay, but they could use another wide receiver to make their offense more explosive. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Jimmy kind of gets a bad rap um, from a lot of people on social media. They're like, oh, Jimmy's overrated. Jimmy's overpaid. He gets carried by the defense, but his weapons outside of Kittle, who they have Kittle blocked on more than 50% of his snaps anyway, they uh, aren't great. And his running backs, even though they all had pretty good seasons, none of them are it's not like he has James White back there, some elite pass catchers, and his, his number one receiver last year was a rookie second round pick. So, it's, um, and Jimmy Jimmy still had the the best pass rating in the league on third down, and I think he had the best uh, fourth quarter pass rating, or his top some top two or three. Um, so I like, I think I like that. I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like the Forty ers they traded away uh, DeForest Buckner, so I could see them going. They trade away DeForest Buckner for this pick, so I could see them trying to get replace him with someone younger and cheaper and draft a D-tackler or a D-lineman or something, but um, that just seems like a 49ers pick. I feel like they've drafted D-lineman every year in the first round for the last, like, five years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have the luxury of going for a receiver, like you said. We talked about we talked about that, actually, when Michael Thomas got paid 20 mil by the Saints, I think. It was, don't draft wide receivers round one unless uh, unless you have – Unless you're stacked everywhere else, so I or don't pay a receiver unless you're stacked everywhere else. But I think the 49ers are stacked pretty much everywhere else, so I I don't hate the pick. I like CD Lamb also. I disagree with you there. I'm a I'm a CD Lamb fan. That guy's a beast. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. We'll see. That's where like some of the mock drafts had him going to like the Cardinals to go play with Kyler Murray and do flag football all over again at the Cardinals, and I was like, I did not like that at all. But now they're going with the offensive tackle, so that's better for the Cardinals and. Take then reuniting Kyler Murray and CeeDee Lamb. I'm shocked they don't have the Cardinals taking defense. The Cardinals defense, I feel like, is so bad. I don't know how they – I don't know. I think the Cardinals should draft the corner. But Pat Pete's not getting any younger. He's got to be 30 now. I don't know. I think the, I think the Cardinals need to draft defense. But that's just me. Any, uh, any other sleepers you have? In general, for the rest of round one, I think, looking at Mel Kuyper's mock draft, I think – I think the Raiders taking Love is one of the worst predictions he's made. They they have four QBs under contract right now. They got um, Carr, Mariota, Kaiser, and Nathan Peterman under contract. I don't think I don't think Gruden's going into the season with five quarter. I mean, I think we can assume Peterman's probably going to get cut. <laughs> but apparently, Gruden loves Kaiser. Um, he loves Mariota apparently, and he keeps hyping up Carr. So they, at best, they trade Carr. And they still have two QBs under contract, even if mm-hmm. neither are very good. Why are they going to draft the guy who led the country in interceptions? I know that uh, McShay was McShay was loving Jordan Love like a month ago. He has he, a month ago was mock draft and Jordan Love going sixth. L- listen to this. All right, so I was doing a lot of Jordan Love research because I don't know anything about this guy. I'm gonna I'm not gonna pretend I'm an expert draft expert at all. I watch college football, but I do not watch Utah State football. This guy led the country in interceptions and. So I read a scouting report on him to see what all the hype was about. Two years ago, he was pretty good, and they said that he lost those receivers or something. So that's why he was bad last year. But the receivers don't throw 17 picks in 12 games. <laughs> but anyway, I I looked up. They were saying, oh, well, he has, he has Mahomes' potential because of arm talent. I looked up his closest. There's a there's a website called um, – it's called playerprofiler.com. It compares draft prospects to current NFL players or past NFL players based on body – Size, athleticism, like combine metrics or whatever, 
in like college production. His closest comparison is Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> boy Dan Orlovsky. Well known well known for being uh Matt Stafford's favorite analyst and uh backup QB to one of the worst teams of all time in the mid two thousands Lions or late two thousands Lions. So I don't I don't know why we're drafting Dan Orlovsky nineteenth um, overall, I think it is. When the Raiders don't need a quarterback, I don't like I think Derek Carr um, I I don't I don't know if he's gonna win them a Super Bowl, but he's they got their defense is not good. Their secondary is really bad. Why are they drafting? I don't know why Mel Kiper is saying they're gonna draft Jordan Love. It just it doesn't make sense. I don't. Th- so I think they're gonna draft LSU there again. I don't think they're drafting Jordan Love, a guy who didn't win any games and threw seventeen picks. That's not a Gruden. Gruden doesn't like that. I don't I don't know why they think Gruden will like that. But um, and I actually I did read one comparison that compared him to Kaiser. Said him and Kaiser are very similar, but Kaiser played. Real football in ND and never threw 17 picks. So, comparing this guy to Kaiser, I think he's disrespectful to Kaiser. And Kaiser has not worked out in the NFL at all. So, if this guy is the worst version of Kaiser, why are we drafting him round one? It makes no sense. But, yeah, if, if you want to get started on talking about busts and sleepers, I mean, that's my first bust, definitely, just looking at this mock draft. I would not take this guy round one at all. I don't, I'm not a believer in Jordan Love. No, and then uh, I'm looking at the 22 pick, Minnesota Vikings taking a wide receiver from Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk. Yep. I've never heard yeah, that of this guy's guy. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. He also goes to the same school that uh, what's what's the Patriots guy's name again? Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry, and he was absolutely terrible. And also, this is like the deepest wide receiver class ever. And you're taking a guy from Arizona State, <laughs> and all these other teams above you are going to get guys from like Alabama and LSU and Oklahoma. Also, below that guy is uh, let's see, who's the guy below? Um, T Higgins from Clemson. So I don't know. I'm not taking a guy from Arizona State. I've never heard of over a guy from a premier school like T. Higgins and uh, Clemson. So, I don't know. From the Minnesota Vikings, I'm not taking a guy from Arizona State. And then uh, New Orleans Saints taking a cornerback, A.J. Terrell from Clemson. I'm pretty sure during the national championship game, that guy just got burned every single time. Uh, Maybe I got the wrong guy, but I'm pretty sure we were texting during the game. We're like, number eight got burned again. Number eight sucks. Number eight can't cover any of these guys. I don't know. Maybe I got the wrong guy and it was somebody else. But – if I got the right guy, I'm not sure he should be taken in the first round. If on the biggest stage against the best competition, you're getting burned. Yeah. And then you already talked about Grant Delpit. I kind of like him as well. He just had a, he was just injured all year, so I think it would be a good pick for somebody to get him in the second round because he was really good and he was really he was talked about going into the year as going to be one of the best players in the SEC. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But it didn't work out when he still won a national championship, so that's not too bad. And then. Uh, I'm interested to see where my boy DeAndre Swift goes. I probably wouldn't take a running back in the first round, but if I were to take a running back, he would be the first one this year. Uh, injuries are a little concerned because when he's not, when he's a little banged up and a little, inj- little injured, he doesn't have the same explosiveness that makes him really good. But when he's healthy, uh, there's not very many running backs better in this draft than him, and he can also make plays out of nowhere. So I would, he had, Mel Kuyper has him going 32nd to the Chiefs. I guess wouldn't be the worst idea for the Chiefs to get him, and he can also catch passes out of the backfield. So I think he'll be a good player in the NFL. Yeah, I got so I got a couple things to say about the bust that I think is going to happen in this this draft. I think that dude Ayuk or whatever out of Arizona State. Um, I don't really know much about this guy. I never really heard anything about him at all this season in college football. Nobody's really talking about him until recently. This dra- he got a ton of draft type. Um, but if if he wasn't good enough to be the number one over Nikhil Harry, who hasn't translated to the NFL at all, why should we believe in this guy? I don't know. Um, and then continuing on wide receivers, T. Higgins, 
was wicked productive in college, but Mel Kuyper's going to go into the Packers, which uh, I don't I don't like that pick at all. I think T. Higgins is kind of a red zone guy from I mean, I think he has the Clemson touchdown record actually, and so I don't know, he's he's a red zone guy. He's just a big guy, but he's a truck, which usually don't want to call your wide receiver a truck, especially in the first round. But he's wicked productive, so you can't argue with that. But I don't think the Packers really need another red zone receiver when they already feed Devonta Adams in the red zone uh, or hand the ball off to Jones. So I, I don't know that. I think the Packers need like a small, fast guy to run underneath. That's what they seem to be missing because all the receivers are just really tall guys like. Marquez, Vault, Scantling, and Geronimo, they can't go – they can only go deep. That's all they got. And Rodgers is just chucking deep balls out of bounds, and it's bad football. So I don't, I don't think T. Higgins really fits that team at all, but I don't know. Then, then um, what's it called? Uh, losing my train of thought here. Oh, my one of my biggest busts in the draft is Michael Pittman out of USC. He's a wide receiver. He's supposed to go round two. This guy is the most overhyped – receiver I think I've ever heard of coming out of college. It's this this guy should not be getting any hit ball. He did he had an unbelievable game against Utah last year. Watch <laughs> interestingly enough, Utah's number one corner starts to go first round by Mel Kiper. So what's up with that? This guy had ten catches for two hundred thirty yards and a touchdown against Utah. I'm a Utah football hater. I don't like Utah football at all. I think they're extremely overrated, especially this year. But Mel has cornerback Jalen Johnson out of Utah going round one to the Vikings. Um so why are the Vikings drafting a guy that got burnt by Michael Pittman, who, back to Michael Pittman, USC, who was horrible this year. Before the Notre Dame game, Michael Pittman said some said he was ta- going over to ND recruits saying, like, we're going to go embarrass you or something. He was talking smack to ND recruits. He had four catches for 29 yards against ND. And we're drafting this guy round two to be our wide receiver one. Michael Pittman, after talking smack, four catches for 29 yards against Iowa, the other big non-conference game they had. Six catches, 50 yards, no touchdowns. But he, he was sick against Utah, so I guess this guy's second-round pick at least. And I also saw people on ESPN. It might have been Todd. I heard who it was calling him Michael Thomas 2.0. Four catches for 20 yards against ND. ND secondary that the even though safety is really good, there was no – Troy Pride isn't Richard Sherman out there. Um, oh, and by the way, he had six catches for 28 yards and no touchdowns against Fresno State. <laughs> this guy's no good. So Michael Pittman, uh, when they hype him up in round two of the draft, maybe round one if he somehow gets, goes that early, uh, just just remember, this this guy, he's no good. He did nothing in the big games. He beat up on crappy Pac-12 teams that have overrated corners like A.J. Terrell, who, yeah, that's my other bust. Um, and then a couple other busts I got. These guys, Jalen Rieger, did you see any? Did you read into him at all? Jalen Rieger out of TCU, wide receiver? No. So this guy... This guy, he was getting round one height. Jalen Rigor. He was supposed to run a four two forty. He ran a four four seven, I believe, at the combine. Then said he got hurt in the middle of his forty, even though I don't think he did. Um and then he ran a stay at home uh, a home he ran a pro day at his house that was timed by his, his coach or something or his family friend. Who timed him at like four two. And People were saying that they were just making it up and it was fake, whatever. He's getting, he was kind of getting grossed on the internet for it. But this guy was supposed to be some freak athlete, possible first-round pick. I think he's falling into round two now because of his bad 40 time. But people are saying he had a chance to break that 40 record that John Ross set a while ago. Uh, this season, he had in, – in flag football, he played all 12 games. Flag football. 43 catches, 600 yards, five touchdowns. This guy's a first-round talent. 
because of his freak four four seven speed. So I don't. He's still projected to go around two. Uh, but TC receivers have been busts in the NFL since for a while. Uh, off the top of my head, that doxing guy that the Redskins drafted bust. Um, especially the, they're all supposed to be athletic freaks, and they all put up monster stats in the Big Twelve. Well, this guy didn't even put up monster stats. He's clearly not an athletic like freak. freak. He's slow. He also he he's like horribly. He's not a. Uh, He's like three cone drill. I don't. I don't really care about Columbine that much, but he was bottom seven percentile in that. He <laughs> he has terrible agility, I guess. And he's short. He's five eleven. I think Jalen Rigor is going to be a total bust. I think this guy's not going to play a snap in the NFL. I'm a hater. And then my last big bust. I don't care where he gets drafted. He can be undrafted free agent signing. This guy's going to be the worst quarterback to ever be on an NFL roster. I think Shea Patterson out of Michigan. He's terrible. He's the most over. He's number one QB out of high school. Went to Ole Miss. A lot of people know the story already, so I don't want to talk about it too much. But this guy, he's the opposite of a big game player. He's really good at throwing incompletions on three-yard outs. <laughs> he's pretty good at handing the ball off, I guess. Uh, and he's really good at becoming very close friends with his head coach, or else he probably should have been benched on multiple occasions. And uh, the only thing holding that Michigan team back from a national championship for the last few years, especially the year they had uh, Winovich and whatever the D-tackle in the Packers' name is, um, now is Shea Patterson. If they had Dylan McCaffrey in a quarterback, they'd have won multiple national championships. So I hate Michigan. I'm biased. But Shea Patterson, that guy is a bottom one QB I have ever seen. He's horrible. He's, he makes Jordan Love look like Pat Mahomes. I mean, Chad, Chad Reuter of uh, NFL Network has Shea Patterson going in the sixth round, picked 214 to the uh, Seahawks. I don't know why the Seahawks would do that. I, you're better off signing whoever off the streets. I mean, you could go to an intramural college flag football game and you could pull a QB just as good as Shea Patterson and throw in three-yard incompletions. It's bad. So, yeah, those are my bucks. If you want to go, I've been talking for a while. Yeah, my uh, my last two sleepers, uh, one would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire going 52nd to the Rams in Mel Kuyper's draft. Uh, that You pretty much could not – uh, guard that guy or cover that guy coming out of the backfield catching passes. Also, low center of gravity, kind of hard to bring down. And yeah, he he pretty much tore up Alabama. And he's a big player on the big stage. I think he had, he's fighting through some injuries at the end of the season too. I, I don't know. I like I like him. In the commentary, all the SEC games they're comparing him to Darren Sproles. So that's not that's not a bad comparison. Having a ten year NFL career, playing decent football for those ten years. And then my last sleeper is uh, KJ Hamler, wide receiver at Penn State. Guy is tiny. He's five foot nine, one hundred seventy eight pounds. But I think he could be the uh, Packers underneath guy you're talking about. The guy is very fast, probably one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft. But I think he's this low because he was injured last year and didn't have a really good year. And things in the Ohio State game, he barely played because of a hamstring injury and he didn't really do anything. But the the Ohio State game in twenty eighteen, I remember he had this like ninety yard touchdown against them. So I don't know. I think very electric player. And Penn State really never had a quarterback that can get him the ball that consistently. So I think if he can stay injury-free, 50th to the Bears, I think he could definitely be better than this Ayukic guy from Arizona State. So he is small, but he's very, very fast. So I'm interested to see how K.J. Handler does at the next level. I, lo- I like both, though. I actually, funny enough, you said uh, you think Handler could be the underneath guy for the Packers. I wrote down T. Higgins' weird fit here. I think they would be better off with Ruggs if he falls or the Hamler guy from Penn State. So, yeah, I agree. Bias opinion, mocking Hamler to the Packers at the end of round one. 
Um, even though Mel thinks it's a reach. I don't think it's a reach. I agree. I like him. Um, and I love the Clyde pick. He, he was like, I think he had like 400 more receiving yards than any other running back in the country or something ridiculous. Like he's just, I don't know that that's just from stats. I was like, I don't know, but he was a beat. He had like 700 receiving yards or something ridiculous as a running back. So Clyde stud, um, he's getting slept on just cause he's short. Um, my sleepers that I have left that I haven't mentioned yet are Aloe Gilman out of ND. Um, I think he was probably the best player on ND last year, just as an all-around football player. He's he was the captain of the defense, uh, even though he'd only, only been there for one year before. Um, he transferred from Navy. He's um, I don't think he's like a freak athlete or anything at safety, but I don't you don't just because some players aren't a freak athlete, they kind of get um, looked over in the draft a lot. And a guy that he kind of reminded me of almost was Drew Tranquil, even though Drew Tranquil played. Safety linebacker hybrid friend. He kind of mostly linebackers senior year. Uh, he was a leader. He would, he was always all over the field. Made plays pretty much in every defensive snap. Um, and he got completely overlooked in the draft because he was supposedly not that athletic. Even though he actually had a really good combine and he still fell. And I think he was starting for the Chargers in year one. So I think Aloe Gilman the sleeper. I hope the Pats got him to replace Devin McCourty because I don't think Devin McCourty has a ton of years left. At least that on a ton of years left as a top tier safety in the NFL if he even is that anymore. Um, but, yeah, I like Aloe Gilman a lot. I'm biased, but I don't care. Um, my, no- my next sleeper is Thad Moss. Once again, biased. Thad Moss is nasty. Uh, he's a beast. and He's a block. He- he's short. He's 6'2", which apparently is short for tight end now, but he's 6'2", 250. He's-, he's the same size as Tony Gonzalez was. So I don't- People are saying he's not- he doesn't have a big enough frame or something, but he's bigger than Tony Gonzalez. He's bigger than Mike Dicka. That guy's a legend, so I don't care. I'm not, I'm not here for this too small of a frame, not fast enough talk, because tight ends don't need to be fast. I don't know when that became a thing. And his frame is fine. He can block, he can catch. I'm biased. Randy Moss is my favorite player ever. But if Thad Moss came to the Patriots, I would be so happy. I don't care who else they draft. I just want Thad Moss in round three or whenever he's supposed to go. Um, I think he can do it all. and He's reliable. He's got great hands. So, yeah, I want that Moss. And then a couple other guys I had on there, Tyler Johnson on the Minnesota. I think he'd be a beast slot receiver in the NFL. He's not that fast, but he uh, he always kept burning guys on quick slants last year. I watched Minnesota a good amount. Uh, I was on the bandwagon the first, like, eight weeks of the season, so they choked till the wheels fell off. But <laughs> uh, I like Tyler Johnson a lot. He kept, he could burn guys on slants all the time and over the middle, and I like that. I think – and he's not supposed to go there early, but he had ridiculous production um, in a legit conference. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. He's getting overlooked, but he, he should be going higher than some of these receivers that are getting mock drafted by Mel in the first round, like Pittman. Uh, a couple other guys I want to throw in there real quick. Omar Bayless at Arkansas state. This guy had like 1800 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns last year or something. He's, he's very unathletic for an NFL wideout, but so was Antonio Brown, a uh, small school guy that was going off. So, uh, Wes Welker, guys like that. So I don't just because Omar Bayless didn't freak out, he doesn't mean that this guy's not a great player. And uh, if anyone hasn't watched it, I suggest you watch his highlight tape. Even though he's small school and looks like he's playing on a high school field, this guy was feasting on people. And if you can get him round seven, why not take a risk on that rather than draft some whoever bum out of Michigan? Uh, and then one more guy I got is Lynn Bowden Jr quarterback slash receiver slash running back yeah kentucky everything. that guy's a beast this guy is a beast he's if uh what's his what's his name byu saints guy 
plays every position. I can't remember his name. I'm blanking. That I don't like. Taysom Hill. He's like Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is athletic and good at football, which I don't think Taysom Hill is either. He's kind of athletic, but he's not good at football. And Lynn Bowden, he, he led the Kentucky in receiving, even though he was playing QB for half the year or more than half the year. And he led the country in yards per carry. Uh, he returns pick, I think. Um, yeah, he, he contributes in all facets of the game. He's, it, people love Taysom Hill now. So like Collinsworth, all those guys obsessed with him. I think Lynn Bowden, they're going to fall in love with them because this guy, he can play. He's a football player. Yeah. No other way to put it. He's good football. That guy, that guy could have won the Heisman if he stayed another year. I agree. He's just he's a beast. He can he can play all over the field. I love Lynn Bowden. I think, um, I hope the Pats take him too because he he contributes everywhere. And also Omar Bayless. Back to that guy for a quick second. I forgot to add one more thing about him. Arkansas State record setting guy, number one in the country in receiving for the Natty because he played less games than the LSU guys. But he um he led the country and blocked punts with two block punts this year. So he's a special teams guy too. Uh. Yeah, I, I like those guys that contribute on special teams in the late rounds. And at worst, you have a good special team, or at best, you have a guy that can play everywhere. Mm. So, um, yeah, those are the guys I like. Lynn Bowden, Omar Bayless, Aloby Gilman, Tyler Johnson, Thad Moss. And then I like – I put Clyde down too. Um, but, yeah, you already talked about him. And Fromm was my last guy. My bad. One more guy. Jake Fromm, he's a winner. He was going to go – people are saying top five pick up until this season. He had a bad year. He doesn't, he's very athletic, but so is Tom Brady. So I don't care about that with quarterbacks. If you can throw, you can – if you can play, you can play. Um, and he struggled this year, but he doesn't have – he had no weapons around him. He His coach is a uh, defensive coach. He's not like he has any offensive gurus around him. Like a lot of these like, – like Joe Burrow, not taking anything away from him, but – that guy Joe Brady's like some passing game genius or something. So, um, not like Jake Fromm had any of that around him. His his running his number one weapon was banged up. His I think his number one receiver was a true freshman. So I think Fromm is he could be a steal in the NFL. Uh, I think he he's a winner. He's tough. He uh, he's accurate when he was accurate. He wasn't that accurate this year. But I, once again, I think that's because of what was around him. Um, yeah, I'm a Jake Fromm fan. I mean, when he was a freshman, he was in the nat- true freshman national championship team, and he brought his team there. It wasn't like two or he came in in the second half. He brought his team to the national championship as a true freshman, even if he was a game manager. Uh, a game manager is not the worst thing in the NFL. So, at worst, I think you get a good game manager. I would take Jake Fromm. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, two guys I like in Chad Reuter's NFL mock draft in the third round, the 79 Chase Claypool to the Jets. I think that'd be good value there. He makes a lot of Nice catches on the sideline. He was a pretty much carrying Indy's offense for the whole season, so I think he'll be a a good NFL wide receiver. And then at ninety four or ninety three to the Titans, J.K. Dobbins, that guy pretty much carried Ohio State's running game last year. And you could say Ohio State they get all these good recruits. Well, last year they had pretty much no backup running backs, and he pretty much took every single snap in the meaningful moments. And he, I think, I think he'll be a good NFL running back. And then the third round. You get a player who took his school to thirteen and zero, and pretty much one play away from the championship game. I think you can do a lot worse than J.K. Dobbins in the third round. That could be that could be a Raiders. I don't know who I don't know who the Raiders running back is. Uh, maybe you can tell me, but Jacobs. who? No, oh, Josh. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, you're Alabama guy. So I don't know if Gruden wants a backup to Josh Jacobs, he can go to a big big school in the third round and take a J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. I like that. And I, I like the Claypool pick, too. Claypool's another guy. 
he's a he Claypool. Not a ton of people knew. Like we obviously did because Ryan D fans, but like nationally, I don't think a ton of people knew about Claypool that much until the combine where he had like one of the most freak show combines in a while. People were comparing it to Calvin Johnson athletically, which I mean, he's no Calvin Johnson. I saw him play week three. He's no Calvin Johnson, but he's a very he's a good receiver. Um, there's no doubt about that. He definitely could be a contributor. And he was a beast on special teams. He was like Matthew Slater and Brandon Bolden and chasing down these punts. I so once again, outwires you're getting a guy who's gonna be a pro bowler on special teams every year, I think, for the next ten years. Um so yeah, I think those guys are always worth a pick. Bill Belichick loves those guys, so maybe Bill will take them. Um but yeah, if I have anything else to add, I hope the Patriots um I don't know. I I think the Pats are probably gonna draft a linebacker. Something. They're probably. I don't think it's going to be too exciting. I think Pat's fans want a quarterback round one. I'm not expecting one round one just because I don't want love, and I don't want. I don't. I don't think anyone else is going to really be there. I don't think Bill would trade up, but uh, the Pats ended up with Fromm. I would be pretty happy with that. I think um, in round three, but yeah, that's. I don't have much else to add. Yeah, I agree. All right, and we got we got some other segments coming. We got interviews with uh, numerous guests. Yeah, we got we have a Lions expert coming on. That's going to be a great segment. Talk about the third pick when the when the draft really starts. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. Going to be some heated debates. Heated debates, very heated debates. Matt Stafford on the training block, possibly. Stay tuned. And we now welcome John Serenides from the New England Football Journal. Uh, John, how are you today? Good. How's it going, guys? Good. Um, how do you think the Patriots will uh, approach this draft? They have needs at a number of different positions, and they also don't have a, a second-round pick, so it might be harder to trade up their uh, first-round pick if they wanted to. Yeah, well, you said it. I think they have a number of needs and areas that they need to address in this draft. I, I think it's imperative that they hold on to this pick and they pick a player. It's interesting because when you look at Bill Belichick's draft history – He's drafted really well in the first round. When you look at his 20-year run here as general manager and coach, there's really only one pick that you could say in the first round was truly a bust, and that was Dominique Easley in 2014. He's done a good job in the first round. So I'd like to see him stand pat if possible because he's always looking to add uh, picks in, in the current draft and in future drafts. But I'd like to see him stand pat and take a player. I think there's going to be a lot of quality there at 23 particularly at certain positions where the Patriots need to address, like outside linebacker, for example. So I think you could see him go in a myriad of directions with that pick. They could go outside linebacker. They can go safety. They can go defensive line. Dare I say they could go quarterback if, if Justin Herbert possibly is there. But I'd like to see them stand pat and address one of these major needs that they have at 23, and I think they can. Seamus? Um, I was wondering, what are your thoughts on – so the Pats don't really have money right now at all. I think they have less than a million in cap space. Um, so they're going to have to make a move somehow to free up cap, whether it's restructuring somebody or something. But um, Joe Tooney is a name that's been thrown around a lot because he's making a lot of money in the franchise tag. Uh, after this year, he's gone if, if they can't resign him. And, um, yeah, they, they could probably get some decent draft capital from back. So what do you think the odds are they're going to trade Tooney at the draft? And what do you think the costs or the, uh, the benefits and the negatives of that would be? Well, I mean, I think that it's all on the table. They haven't been able to work out a long-term extension with him. So I think with, with that being the case, 
given the fact that he's going to be a cap hit of about $15 million when all is said and done, I think that if they don't feel that they can extend him and reduce that cap number, I think that they are going to explore options when it comes to moving him. Now, in terms of what his value is, I don't foresee them getting, obviously, a first-rounder for him, but you could, pro- you could probably recoup a second-rounder in this draft if you trade him on Friday, let's say. So I think this is a situation where I think that they're probably still working with him behind the scenes to see if they can iron something out. But if they can't, I definitely think he's on the market this weekend. I think if the right deal comes along, I think they would move him. As far as what it would mean for them, it'd be a huge void in their offensive line. Yeah, they've got a couple of youngsters that they drafted last year, Yadney Kajust and, and uh, Froholt that they really like, Jolty Froholt. But Joe Tooney, to me, is one of the three best guards in the game right now. You don't replace a guy like that, no matter what you have coming up the pipe. So... I think that it'll be an interesting situation to watch because, again, I think if they can hammer out an agreement with him between now and Thursday, I think that they'll re-up him and announce it. But if they don't think they can or if they don't, he's certainly going to be in play this weekend, and I think he's probably going to be in play for a second-round pick. I don't think you trade him for anything less than that, to be honest with you guys. And then I was looking at your uh, New England Football Journal Facebook page, and I've been every single time I go on Facebook, I see like your mock drafts of the day. So early, yeah. earlier in the month, I've seen uh, you've listed Hunter Bryant from Washington as a tight end and Cole Komet. And Seamus and I are both Notre Dame fans, so we've seen a lot of Cole Komet over the last few years. <laughs> so uh, do you see the Pats taking a tight end in the middle rounds and maybe one of those two players? I think, I think they will, and I think they have to. Look, Belichick tried to address the position after Rob, Rob Gronkowski retired last year, but he tried to address it with veterans, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Matt Lacoste, Lance Kendricks. He brought these guys in, but they weren't the answer. And he neglected the position in the draft. I don't think he can do that for a second year in a row. When you look at how little you got out of that position last year, 30, 35 catches, 350 yards, I believe it was, and three touchdowns, that, that is embarrassingly low production from a starter, let alone a collection of players. So I don't think they have a choice. They have to address the position in this draft. Now, how they go about doing it remains to be seen. They obviously don't have a second rounder. When you look at this tight end class, I know that a lot of people don't like it, and they think that it's one of the least talented tight end classes we've seen in the last five years. But I, I beg to differ with that opinion. You mentioned a guy like Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet is a guy who at 6'6", 250 pounds, has a lot of upside. And I think he's a guy that if he's given time to develop, I think he can develop and be an effective starting tight end who can be both an inline guy and a guy you can detach. So I like this draft. I think there's a lot of value at that position in the middle rounds. And there's about five names to look at that would be good fits for the Patriots, starting with a guy like Cole Komet. Kind of going off that, I uh, I noticed you have Adam Troutman going to the Pats in a couple mocks, and I like PJ said, I watched Cole Komet all year, but I've never seen this guy play because he goes to he goes to Dayton. Um, so yeah, I've never watched Dayton play, but I was wondering if you've kind of gotten a scout report on him, just because there's been a lot of experts that say that the Pats could be looking at him and he could be drafted by the Pats late in the rounds, but I'm sure not many Pats fans have seen Dayton football play, so I was wondering if you had 
any information on him that maybe the average fan wouldn't. Well, he's the guy that when you watch him play, he's your he's your classic detached tight end nowadays. He's your he's your quintessential eleven personnel tight end that's moved around in formations and used in a variety of ways. I think when you look at a guy like him, I think he's a nice fitness offense. I think you can really do a lot of different things with him, move him around, try to create matchups with him. He's I don't think he's as effective as an inline blocker as a Cole Komet is, but I certainly think he's a guy that can generate more matchups for you, especially in the red zone. I think that when you look at a guy like Adam Trotman, that's where I think he can make a big difference. And that's why I think he'd be a nice fit on this Patriots roster when you look at what they have on the perimeter. He'd be a nice piece for them in the middle of the field. And then going uh, back to quarterbacks, you've had Jake Fromm listed in a couple of your drafts in the third and fourth round. Seamus and I are both uh, big fans of Jake Fromm, so... Do you think that the Patriots would be interested in him or maybe another quarterback in the uh, later rounds after you take somebody on defense in the first round? Yeah, it's going to be the most scrutinized position for them in this draft for obvious reasons. Uh, it's hard to, to peg when they're going to take a quarterback. Again, I don't see them taking one in the first round unless a guy like Justin Herbert falls, who I know they like. If a guy like that falls and he's within reach and they can go up and get him, they'll try to do that. Or if he falls to them at 23, I could see them taking him. But if they more than likely they will not take a quarterback in the first round. So now it's a it's a guessing game. Do they take one in round three, four, five, six, or seven? I think it depends on how the board is shaking out. If there's here's the thing, there's gonna be a first round run on quarterbacks. We know that at the top of the draft. And then it's about when does that next run on quarterbacks happens. If that next run happens, let's say in round two and three, then that's when I think they'll take one. If that run if that run on quarterbacks doesn't happen until early day three, then that's when I think they'll take one. It'll be interesting to see how they approach it because they could take someone like Jake Fromm in round three, or they can wait until round seven and take a Steven Montez out of Colorado or a Ben DiNucci out of James Madison, who I know they've been linked to and they really like. So I think a lot of it will depend on, on what that second run on quarterbacks looks like and when it happens before they decide to take one. Um, yeah, Kind of moving on, um, wide receiver, the Pats invested pretty heavily in that position last season. First-round pick in Nikhil Harry. Um, traded a se- traded the second rounder this year from Hamid Sanu. And both those guys were pretty underwhelming last year just watching the team play. Uh, Sanu, I guess, was injured. And Harry was injured for the first half of the season and was only a rookie. So it's probably too early to give up on either of those guys yet. But is there a chance we see the Pats invest early in a wideout? Later in the draft, is there any guys the Patriots might be targeting that fit the offense well? Well, you can never say they won't just because he's such a proponent of drafting for value. He doesn't doesn't ever draft for need necessarily. Belichick's philosophy is always centered around drafting for value, and that's why he's so willing to move around and move picks and acquire picks because he's all about stacking his board and identifying value where he's picking. And so – there's no doubt that they could take a wide receiver at 23. They could take a wide receiver uh, in the third round with the two picks that they have in the third round. But but when you look at where they're at at the receiver position right now, I just don't see how it makes sense. Even though this is a deep and talented class at the position, I just don't see how you take a receiver at 23 when you look at all of the other needs that they have, especially because you can get a quality receiver like a James Prosh out of SMU 
or a John Hightower out of Boise State. You can probably get a guy like that early in day three. So you don't necessarily have to reach for a guy in round one because this position in this draft is so deep and talented that you can get an impact player later. I know that a lot of people are going to probably be upset if they're sitting there at 23 and let's say they were to take a guy like Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan, over a guy like a Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU. I know fans around here aren't going to like that, but that would be a more sound pick, taking a player like him or Xavier McKinney over a receiver. And I think it's a more sound pick simply because I don't think it's necessarily a need area when you look at the composition of their roster. And you can get one later on that can come in and make an impact for you as a rookie. Yeah, and moving on to another position of need that's maybe not as important, but the Patriots need a kicker. And I've seen on at least 75% of your draft uh, mock drafts of the Patriots, you have them taking Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia. Now, I have seen a lot of Georgia football over the last few years, and the guy is definitely very popular with the fans, and he's a good kid. So I, I think he'll sell jerseys, but I'm not sure if this is the guy I want kicking in the, in the crunch time. And the 2000, I think it was 18 National cha- or SEC Championship game, against the Alabama when Jalen Hurts came in to save the day. Georgia was up like 28 to 14 and he missed he pulled like a 40-yard field goal that he just you have to make that field goal and I think the game went to overtime 28-28 so if he makes that I think Georgia keeps momentum and probably wins that game and then last year against South Carolina at home he missed the he missed the kick in OT which maybe hurt Georgia's chances to make the playoff. Yes, one year in the Rose Bowl he did nail a 55-yarder against Oklahoma but I just think in the clutch this guy comes up short in big moments. So I was wondering how you came up with Rodrigo Blankenship in almost every single one of your mock drafts? It's simple. He's, he's literally the only kicker in the simulator that I use that's available. So I don't have a choice. I have to either take him or I have to take um, the kicker whose his name's escaping me right now from Georgia Southern. So those are my options. Um, I could see a scenario where they don't take a kicker, that they go the uh, undrafted free agent route and sign a kicker and then maybe bring in, bring in a veteran and let the the rookie and the veteran kick it out, if you will, for the starting job. So I don't think it's a given that they take a kicker. I mean, I know that some people have speculated that if there's a kicker on the board that they really like, that they may reach for one uh, in the middle of, of day three. I think that that would be – look, as important as that position is, it's a position that I would not address until later in the draft. I, I would hate to see them with all the needs that they do have I would hate, hate to see them waste a fourth or a fifth round pick on a kicker. Even though it's a position of importance, I still think you can get quality at the position later on. And let's be honest here, guys. There's enough veterans kicking around, no pun intended, that you can sign a guy that can come in and, and consistently make kicks for you. You don't have to invest a high draft pick in that position. So uh, I think that they're probably going to draft one but I don't think it's going to be before the fifth round. I think it'll be fifth round or later. And much to your dismay, PJ, it could be Rodrigo Blankenship and his specs. Who knows? <laughs> um, that's all I got for the Patriots, if you have any more questions. No, nah, that's it. Uh, do you have any sleepers or in for like all the teams, not just the Patriots in this draft? Well, I think it's going to go according to plan at the top like it always does. I mean, obviously, uh, Cincinnati will take Joe Burrow at one. If they don't, then Mike Brown should immediately be forced to surrender uh, ownership of the team over to someone that has a pulse. (laughs) Um, 
But I, I, I think when it comes to sleepers, I think there's some guys in this draft that I think are going to go higher than people thought or maybe even projected. You look at a kid like Jeremy Chin, who's a, who's a hybrid, strong safety outside linebacker from Southern Illinois. The kid can play three downs. He can play at all three levels. That's a hard thing to find today. You're seeing the league go to more and more of that. That's why Isaiah Simmons is such a popular player in this draft because he's a guy that can play three downs at all three levels and do different things. So I think he's a name to keep an eye on. He's a guy that it would not shock me if he snuck into the bottom of the first round, but he'll more than likely go in round two. Uh, James Morgan, a guy that I think you should keep an eye on, Patriots fans. Quarterback out of Florida International, 6'4", 230, plus arm strength, throws a nice ball, good accuracy in all three levels, good pocket management. He's a guy that, with a year to sit, has the makeup physically and mentally to be a potential starter down the road. He's another guy to keep an eye on. So, you know, I could rattle off another 10 names, but I think you're going to see, as I mentioned earlier, I think you're going to see guys go earlier than they should. And some guys are going to go earlier than people thought they would simply because that's the nature of the draft. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And what you think is beautiful doesn't necessarily mean that Bill Belichick or Dave Gettleman or Howie Roseman thinks is beautiful. So each of these general managers have players that they like, that they've identified. And, and when they stack their boards and they stack their final boards this week, some of those players that may have projected in the eyes of the media as being second or third or fourth rounders may end up being elevated on a team's board and they'll, and they'll go earlier. James, do you have any questions? That's all I got. All right, uh, John, thanks for uh, coming on and sharing your uh, draft expertise with us. No problem. Anytime. Thank all you. All righty, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Good talk to you guys. You as well. Good talk. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we are now joined by Daniel Curran, a diehard Lions fan. As Seamus has already said, the draft starts basically at the third pick with the first two picks locked down. Daniel, what do you want to see the Lions do with the third overall pick? Well, assuming that Chase Young goes second overall and nobody trades up um, to take Tua or any quarterback. I'm just I'm I'm 99% sure that Chase Young is going to be picked too. But if he's not, I want the Lions to take him. And then if uh if uh everything goes as planned and Chase is is picked at the at second overall, I would uh either draft Jeff Lakuda at 3 or trade back and try to get more picks and see if you can draft Jeff Lakuda there or um maybe Isaiah Simmons, the guy from Clemson. <laughs> Um, but if they could, if they could trade back and get Jeff Okuda and let's say like the Dolphins wanted to trade up to three and the Dolphins gave the Lions the 18th pick or the, the 26th pick, then you would get Jeff Okuda at five plus an additional first round pick. So that would be, that's like a dream scenario, but, um, I'm not necessarily sure it's going to happen because I don't know what, uh. Teams are thinking of Tua, and I don't know if his value is as high as it was a couple weeks ago because I don't think teams are confident that his hip is healthy. So from my drafts I've been looking at, I've seen Tua been he's been going like outside of the top ten. So he went from you know being the best quarterback in the draft to now falling out of the top ten. 
So I'm really just narrowing it down to uh, the Dolphins that could trade up at five. The Chargers already uh, already have – or no, no, no. The Chargers have Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, so I think they could trade up at six. Carolina is fine at seven. So really there's only a couple teams that I think are going to have any interest in trading with the Lions. But trade back, get a Cuda is dream scenario. And then behind that, just get a Cuda at three or get uh, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. That's pretty much it. It's really not not I don't really see that many options happening. I mean, if they trade back, I think they're going to trade somewhere uh with either the Dolphins or the Chargers. Maybe Jacksonville at 9, I'm not sure. But um I don't really think a trade is going to ha- I don't I don't really think the Lions are going to are going to drop back farther than outside of the top 10. So they're going to get a top 10. Bob Quinn, their, their GM, said that, that the uh, cutoff for elite players is th- the seven picks. He said he said the top seven. So I, I, would, I would prefer if they could stay in the top seven, get a CUDA, and get an additional pick. <clears throat> All right, Daniel, I, I need to ask mm-hmm. you a question. What are, do the Lions need a corner? Because, I mean, if they're letting – they Slay wanted out, but they, they signed Desmond Trufant. Is, is corner even a – I don't, he, he's kind of washed up, but is corner the number one need for the, Dolph, uh, the Lions right now, or is how? Because I feel like the Lions have a lot of needs. I'm, I'm no Lions expert, although I did get a chance to watch most of the roster in England and their front office and their coaching staff, and pretty much everyone involved with that organization is a New England cast off. So I, I do know a lot of a lot of people there, but I'm, not, I'm no expert. What What are your biggest needs? Is corner yes. a need? Massive, absolutely massive don't need. Don't really have. I mean, offensively. You don't really need anything. You're set pretty much across every position. You just spend a top 10 pick on tight end. You have a running back, quarterback, wide receivers, and you just signed uh, Halapaluti Vitae from Philadelphia this year. So he covers your, your right tackle spot. So basically, offensively, you're fine. D-line, I mean, like I said, if Chase Young's available, you got to take him. Um. But, I mean, yeah, I think defensive line is obviously a, a, a need, but I don't really think, like, Derek Brown, the guy from Clump, guy from Auburn, he's an option that I could I, I could see them taking. I really only think they're going to take one of four players, Chase Young, Jeff Fukuda, Isaiah Simmons, or Derek Brown. Um, but their linebackers, um, I mean, they got signed Jamie Collins. Um, they have – Two young, one second-year player, Jelani Tavai, and Gerard Davis, who's their starting middle linebacker, who's entering year four now. And they've shown a lot of confidence in him. And their safeties, they just got Deron Harmon from New England, and they have two young safeties besides that. But at corner, they really only have Desmond Trufant, and then that's really it. They They had a rookie from Penn State last year who got decent playing time once their entire secondary was depleted, but they don't really have another reliable option. So if you take a Kuda at three, if he actually is the real deal, which everybody's saying, you know, this is one of the best corner pre- prospects of in the past 10 years, then you take, t- take Jeff Akuda at three, and then he's instantly your number one corner and can fill in for Slay. And Desmond Trufant's not really a reliable op. He's definitely not a cornerback one. And I'm not really sure how much I would trust him at, at a quarterback two spot. And considering that the corner class is, is 
there's not, but the drop off from Akuda to the second to, to number two is a very uh, massive drop off. I think that if Akuda is available, you have you you got to find a way to get to take him. PJ, you got anything? Yeah, I just I just wonder how much Jeff Akuda is going to make a big difference. So if I was if I was the Lions, I would try and play a little bit of fantasy football. I would trade down and then draft a wide receiver to stack my offense and then just try and outscore everybody because I think that's the only path to the playoffs. You're not going to win a Super Bowl that way, but if you can make the offense unstoppable, take like Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or uh, Henry Ruggs, one of those players, you put up 35 points a game, your defense is still going to let up 30 points a game to a good quarterback, Jeff Okuda or no Jeff Okuda. And in that way, try and go 10-6 and six by just outscoring everybody all the time. You'll probably lose first round of the playoffs because those teams don't usually win. But I say... Stack the offense because the defense is going to suck no matter what you do with Jeff Okuda. They're just going to throw the other guy who's wide open. You can't have that mentality. <laughs> I am. Um, I, looking at the Lions, I'm a little worried. I think their biggest need is probably interior offensive line. I mean, they just they lost Graham Glasgow, who I don't know much about this guy. Admittedly, I don't pay attention to the Lions offensive line too much, but I'm reading Lions articles. Uh, for example, Brendan Armour on from Fansided. He's, I guess, is a Lions writer. He says that Graham Glasgow was their best offensive lineman last year, best interior offensive lineman. Yeah, he was. Uh, and they, I mean, the Lions can't run the ball to begin with. You haven't been able to run the ball for a while, and I'm not. That's objectively, that's just a fact. The Lions can't run the ball. Uh, Carry on, Johnson can't stay healthy, so. Even if you do stack this offense, is that offense even that stacked? Because it's one-dimensional. That offense can't run the ball. You can't keep defenses honest there. And on the other side of things, I mean, best-case scenario, Jeff Okuda – not best-case scenario. Best-case scenario becomes Richard Sherman or something. But I think a safe projection for a third overall pick corner would be a guy like Darius Slay, top-tier number one corner you just lost. So best-case scenario in a team that needs to win now, a GM and a coach that – the owner already said, if you don't win now, you're done. They're going to just be right back where they started last year, except – so, I don't know. I think they're going to – I mean, they're – Jeff Okuda is just gearing you up for a 7-9 and nine season, I feel like. I feel like it's a I – don't, I don't think there's that much improvement there. Then who, the would Lions, which, that, that the who would you take? I would – I mean, I would trade down. Or you play chess, not checkers. Bob Quinn, pride of Norwood. <laughs> Jurassic – Trade Stafford for the, the second overall. Stafford and a bunch of picks. Stafford in the house, second overall pick. You draft Herbert, second what overall. Is Stafford in the you house. Hold you, you hold Dolphins and Chargers hostage for the third overall pick, bidding war. You get triple your value. That's chess, not checkers. No, I'm asking, what does Stafford like in the out. house mean? Meaning you trade Stafford and you get you get a ton from you, you trade Stafford in the second to get the second overall pick. I don't know what I don't know what else would be need to be involved in that trade. But the, the Redskins, the Redskins would do that. Why are you trading up to draft a quarterback? You're not trading up. You get two and three. Oh, you because that's you get, oh. you get two and three. You draft the QB two, then the Dolphins and Chargers bidding war for pick three, and you triple your value there. It's like draft. Great move. Great flick. Very realistic. That's my opinion on it. I don't think the I think the Lions are screwed. They, I mean, they they probably arguably have the worst position in the draft because the top two picks are slam dunk home runs. Pick three, high chance of screwing up. I think, uh, especially with the history the franchise has, 
I mean, there's a good chance they look terrible here. Jeff Okuda is not going to sell jerseys. Let's be honest. Nobody's buying a Jeff Okuda jersey. Mm. Um, great player. No, nobody buys cornerback jerseys unless also, they're they're at the game. They're going best corner in the game, like Richard Sherman. I, I just don't think this is going to turn the franchise. Also, the, the Browns took like Denzel Ward one year fourth, and the Browns haven't really winning that many games since they took that guy fourth. He was from Ohio State too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. They could be a great player. It's just and it's an important position. And not denying that, it's just that doesn't turn a team around. You know. You need to build – I don't know. It's just – I don't see much improvement in this draft from the Lions unless they do something drastic. They they make a splash, and this is not a splash move, especially for a team front office that they're screwed if they don't win next season. The, about the trade-up thing, trade Stafford and stuff, like that's just not going to happen. Um, But the, the Jeff Akuda, like, first of all, um, Jeff Akuda at three fills – your biggest need on your entire roster. And I don't really know what else. Like, it's not, there's not many other options. Like, with this, with the other stuff you're saying, is a corner going to change an, an entire team? Probably not. But he's a great player. He'll instantly be your number one corner. And you're going to get him for a lot cheaper than you're going to get Darius Slay. And for p- people that watched the Lions, Darius Slay was. Uh, he was an all-pro in 2017. He got worse in 2018. And then he, this year, was his, he got even worse than he was last year. So he was declining. He's entering his 30s. And he's asking to be paid uh, like the highest corner in the league. And the Lions didn't want to do that. So Fukuda can come in and be just as good as Slay, if not better, for a significantly cheaper contract. And he's not a problem in the locker room. I think that's a win for, for both parties. But if there was another option besides Akuda, like, I don't know, if there was, you know, if the defensive line class in this draft was loaded and Derek Brown wasn't the, the number one option, maybe the Lions could consider that. But I really do think Akuda is, you know, he's the, he's the best talent at three and, he's the, and, he, and it fills a position of need. So I don't really understand why um, the Lions, if Akuda were open at three or if they traded back at five or seven, if Akuda was indeed there. I really don't see the Lions passing up on them. I think if the if the Lions wanted to go defense, they could take Isaiah Simmons at three and then address their cornerback position need. Maybe in like the third round, maybe maybe pick up like Troy Pride, Daniel. He's he's a bum. I don't I don't yeah. I don't I don't want Troy Let's Pride. Over to Let's trip over to ND Talk here because you're we like me and PJ, huge ND fan, very knowledgeable, maybe bigger ND fan than both of us. So I I wanted to ask you. What do you think of guys like Claypool? Come out? I personally, I think Aloe Gilman's a steal of the draft this year. I want the Pats to get him so bad. I don't care what round they take him. But if he's going at the middle end of the draft, I want Aloe Gilman bad. What do you think about the ND guys that are entering the draft this year? Are you a, Everyone's on the Claypool bandwagon, all the draft guys that didn't know who he was a month ago, but the Combine. So, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I like Cole Komet. Uh He's, I mean, the tight end class is so bad. I think, like, the second – Mel Kiver is, like – Second or third option went to like Dayton. So Cole, <laughs> Cole, Cole Komet is is by far the number one tight end in the draft. So I could see him going maybe to thirty uh, Green Bay Packers, but um, probably going to be a second round pick, second or third round pick. Claypool, uh, Claypool did, didn't do much. And Notre Dame his first, you know, 
two and a half, three seasons. And then obviously last year he kind of, he came on at the end of the year had, but the thing about Claypool in the Notre Dame games, he didn't do anything against any good teams. He didn't do anything against Michigan. He didn't do anything against Georgia. They, they played two real teams last year and he didn't do anything in either game. So he beat up on Navy Duke and Virginia tech, but who cares? I, I really think, uh, as is the case with a lot of Notre Dame players, I think they're all, you know, Miles Boykin lit up the combine last year and he didn't do that much in Baltimore this year. I mean, I think they're, I think they're probably overrated. I like Komet. I like Khalid Kareem, um, Gilman. Uh, stay away from, Aquara. stay away from Julian Aquara. Stay away from Troy Pride. Uh, uh, Claypool, I mean, I think he's Claypool in the in the second or third. Claypool is like a second or third round pick. I like. He's obviously you know freak athlete. He's fast and he's also very big and strong. He's got good hands, so I can see Chase Claypool being a good player in the NFL just because. And he's and he's really tough to tackle, but at the same time, um, I don't really see him going in the first round for any any of that hype around him, but. Uh, I would really avoid uh, Troy Pride. He, I swear to God, in four years at Notre Dame, I don't care how fast you are. He didn't. Be, I don't think he had a single uh, pass defended in four years at Notre Dame. He doesn't know how to, <laughs> doesn't know how to turn his head around and play the ball. Um, so he, I would stay away from him. Julian Aquara. I always thought that Khalid Kareem was the better of the two ends, um, and I still think that is in the NFL. Um, but I think if you put Julian Aquara with another elite pass or if you put him with an elite pass rusher because he is he has you know he i think i think if you put him you know let's say put 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 julian aquara on like the san francisco 49ers and put him across nick bosa i think that julian aguara could it could be a double digit sack i just because if he's your second option he's such a good athlete he's got such a good first step and he's just a true pass rusher that's really his strength, that's really, in my opinion, all he can do. Um, so I think if if, if you put Julian Aquara in the right spot, I think he could be good. But really under no circumstances am I thinking Troy Pride is going to turn into a good NFL player. And then uh, Jalen Elliott, no, not at all. Gilman, yeah, I, I, I like Gilman. Gilman was really good in college. I'm not sure how good he's going to be in the NFL. Um, but I'm, he was one of my favorite players on the Notre Dame team. So if he could have success in the NFL and, and make a roster and, you know, play a lot, that would be, you know, an outstanding NFL career for him, considering coming from the Naval Academy. Um, but, yeah, I think Notre Dame's class is uh, not a lot of special talent in there if compared to the elites of uh, college football with looking at I, – I counted mock, one mock draft I was looking at, and they had 32 – of the, of the first 32-round pick, 17 of them came from the SEC. So it's just you're looking at the programs like Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama that are putting multiple players in the first round when Notre Dame is probably not going to have a single first-round pick. That's the difference. That, that's why Notre Dame's not competing for national championships right there. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing else to add to that, really. I think we kind of got to wrap it up soon. But one last question – why did Tony Jones Jr. leave early? I don't know. I think he thought that uh, there was nothing really else he could prove. I mean, he played a lot, obviously, last year. Um, I mean, he was their lead back. And then in 2018, I mean, like, 
2018, he played a good amount. 2017, he played a good amount. So it's, or wait, no, 20, 2018, the playoff team, they had Dexter Williams, Jafar. Yeah, Tony, Tony played. I mean, he wasn't, what, what I'm saying is, I think there was, there, there's just like Julian Love leaving after his junior year. Once you play, once you have enough film on you, and you feel like you're not uh, not going to get any better. Tony Jones Jr. isn't going to his draft stock isn't going to rise by him coming back another year. The only thing that could happen is he could get hurt and ruin any shot he possibly has at the NFL. But as far as like Tony Jones coming back for his senior mm-hmm. year, much like Julian Love coming back for his senior year, their draft stock isn't going to rise from an extra 12 games of film because there's already plenty of film on him over over a multiple multiple year period. So um I think uh Tony Jones could be like, I don't know, an undrafted seventh round pick, uh, maybe make a roster spot. He's a he's a he's a player's coach. He does everything you're going to want. I mean, he can do everything. He can do everything well. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can block, protect the quarterback. And he's obviously, you know, a tough runner. But he doesn't have a lot of speed. His athleticism doesn't jump off the page. So I don't really see Tony Jones having a long, successful career in the NFL. But. I could definitely see him being a goal linebacker or a third down back for a couple of years if he makes a team, but we'll see. All right, thank you. Uh, all right, Daniel, thank you for uh, coming on. And uh, I know you're a big draft guy, so uh, good luck uh, Thursday night. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Seamus, for having me on. Anytime, anytime. And we are now joined by uh, Eagles fan Caleb McCurdy. Caleb, uh, what do you want the Eagles to do, or what do you think the Eagles would do with the uh, 21st overall pick in the draft? I think the general consensus and the smart move would be for the Eagles to go for a wide receiver. We know their problems last year having to use practice squad guys as <laughs> their starting all words and guys they find off the street. Um, so that would be nice to get some weapons, weapons on offense. Something that I think that everyone kind of has penciled the Eagles in for is Justin Jefferson, but I'm not quite too sure. It almost seems like one of those where they're letting the story leak too much because they don't truly – value them as much as other people they think they do, but maybe that's truly because they honestly think that he's the guy to fit. But the reason I don't personally think he's the best is because uh, Ertz and Goddard are both receiving tight ends. We run a lot of 12 personnel, which is two tight end sets, and tight ends naturally work from the slot, and that's what Jefferson is pretty much best at, and he has questions about his outside receiving. For uh, when it for wide receivers, so right now you have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Who I mean, their health, both of them, is always in question. They're both pretty old. I think Djax is probably gone, right? I think, or if he's, I don't know. He's he, those two are, don't have much time left in Philly, I'd assume. Uh, and then you got right. you got our Seagull Whiteside. I think you took him second. You took him ahead of DK Metcalf last year. So you, yeah. That guy's that guy's got to be a future player. He, he's got to be involved in some way. So I'm, if he's the replacement for Jeffrey, he's the he's a big body. He's he went he went, he went to Stanford, so he's just tall. That's that's pretty much Stanford pumps those guys out. <laughs> uh, you need a speed guy, right? So yep, I'm think I is Ruggs going to be there at 21, or you're going to have to trade up for him? Because I think Ruggs could replace Deshaun Jackson. I think that's a good role for him. He's just he's a burner, running a straight line. Make some big plays happen a couple times a game. Yeah, so so DJ is still gonna be here this year, but after that, yeah, and then his contract's up, so I uh, agree we're gonna need a replacement for him. Rugs, I would be very shocked if he was still there at twenty one. 
So I think if he's the replacement, then we got to trade up. But a guy who we can look to get at 21 or even trade back a couple slots is Jalen Rager out of TCU. He had a much less productive season this year, but uh, the quarterback play in TCU was atrocious this year, as usually is, um, and was much better in 2018 when he put over 1,000 yards. And he's a guy. Uh, I need to talk about Jalen Rigor for before we move on. You can keep going. You keep going. You keep going. Yeah, I was gonna say like like he put on 15 pounds of the combine, which is something that's not uncommon for players to do, especially if they're a little undersized, just to show teams that like their body can handle it. But then once he cut down the weight, he was gonna he was gonna try to run his faster 40 at his pro day, which as we know with this whole coronavirus did not happen. But he ended up videotaping it, and he was clocked at at times of a four, sub four three, which is another burner, which you can just put on the outside. Jalen, Jalen Rieger. So I talked about him as my biggest, or one of my biggest busts this year in the draft. First of all, my biggest knock on this guy was, I was annoyed that he was hyped up all, all combine. I saw on Twitter is rugs or Rieger going to break the four. So I expected at least a sub something below four, four. At worst, that was four three nine was the safe pick. He ran a four four seven. You said he put on weight. Four four seven is what like running backs. It's like a decent running back time, not not a speedy wide receiver time. It's like an Edelman time, but this guy's an outside guy. Um, he he had one of the worst like his agility drills. I don't care about the combine too much, but he finished bottom seven percent in agility drills in the draft. Which as a five eleven receiver, that's terrible. That's that's god awful, and he had bad QBs. I'm sure of. I mean, TCU they're not really pumping out QBs, but since Andy Dalton, uh, but he plays in flag football conference, and he only had 43 catches this year for like 500 yards. Um, against Oklahoma, one catch, nine yards, no touchdown. Against Baylor, one catch, eight yards, no touchdown. Against Kansas, one catch, 15 yards, no touchdowns. Against SMU, two catches, two yards, no touchdowns. Against Purdue, three catches, 20 yards, no touchdowns. So this guy just has duds all over, all all up and down his his, uh, his, his season. It was just – he did good against Iowa State, uh, and he did good against Texas Tech kind of, but he, he didn't have 100 yards in either of those games, and he had 100 yards against Oklahoma State, but he didn't get a touchdown. So it was just – I mean, his, his like second-best game was against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and he had 70 yards and a touchdown, and that's it. I just, I'm not a believer. I think if the Eagles take Jalen Rigor, who he contributed on special teams, kind of. He had one return touchdown, so that's nice. But 600 receiving yards and only 40 catches in flag football, no matter who your QB is, you got to be better than that. The Big 12 is flag football. TCU plays a weaker schedule than a lot of teams in that conference, too, with half the time out of, out of conference. And TCU receiver history, if you look at the guys that pumped out, I mean, Josh Doxson is one of the – the biggest bust at wide receiver over the last five years or ten years, whatever you got drafted. So I'm not a believer. I just I can't I think this guy's I think this guy's bad. I think I don't know if he'll play down in the NFL. I'm a hater. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I've gone back and forth on him too. The only thing that I think can translate well is he actually was good at defeating press coverage and that's honestly the thing that a lot of college guys struggle to in the NFL. Um, a lot of the top guys who you see end up being who end up being bust. It's not that they don't have the hands. It's not that they don't have like the speed or the things. It's the fact that they can't defeat press coverage. And since he's good at that, 
I think he has a chance to at least at least contribute by year two or three. But I mean, year one, I, I just looking at his last year at TCU, I also kind of agree. I don't know if he's gonna do much in year one at least. And then uh, for the Eagles, do you think they would take like a quarterback in the later rounds? Because last year in the playoffs, you're relying on Josh McCown to come in and save the day. And I don't know. I think for the Eagles, obviously, you don't really want to take a quarterback that high because Carson Wentz is your starting quarterback. But I don't think having like a good backup quarterback who can maybe can develop and then trade in like two years and just keep doing the cycle every two or three years is a bad thing for the Eagles. So is there any like quarterback you would take to replace Josh McCown as the four-year-old backup? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the Eagles did resign Nate Sudfeld for a year. Um, personally, I think he's a fine backup. He's not going to be like one of those backups that comes in, you know, and pulls out a Nick Foles-type run because that's quite unheard of from a backup. Uh, but I think he's easily serviceable. At the same time, I mean, the Eagles, like several other teams, kind of like you're saying, like to do the two- to three-year drafting quarterbacks every time. So one guy I'm kind of looking at is um, – James Morgan, he's the quarterback out of Florida International, which is a small school, but at the same time, they run a pro and so he would at least be ready to contribute right away if needed. And as we know, with Wentz, he may be needed. Um, so I think he's a potential guy. Unfortunately, the Eagles drafted Clayton Thorson last year as their quarterback, who as a fifth rounder didn't even make the team, which is not good. So, um, I mean, unless the Eagles get a little scared based on their drafting of Clayton Thorson last year, I think they're going to end up getting a quarterback late. Yeah. Um, talking about James Morgan, he uh, threw for 263 yards and uh, two touchdowns in a 44 nothing win against UMass. <laughs> UMass football is on the rise. It's a rebuilding year. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that wouldn't be a bad pick because the guy from Florida International shouldn't have like a big enough ego to think that he's going to be starting anytime soon. So. <laughs> right. I wouldn't mind that pick. Seamus, anything else to add? Um, Eagles related? Um, no, I don't have – I mean, I, I fully agree that you need a quarterback because Wentz can't stay healthy. And that guy – I mean, how I I don't know how Eagles fans can trust Wentz, especially, and they act like Wentz is like their Super Bowl QB because he had half an MVP season. And Nick Foles is that he's that franchise, and your franchise is playing in Chicago right now. It's, that's that has to be tough to see. So I would draft a QB uh, in the middle of the draft just because I I don't trust Wentz, and I'm not even an Eagles fan. So I can't imagine how Eagles fans must feel with the fate of their franchise in this guy's hands when he has a collarbone made out of paper mache. It's that's a tough situation. So um, definitely draft the QB in the middle of the draft. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurts. That guy's a playmaker. He's kind of like RG3 almost. Uh, although I did hear he has attitude problems, but I think that would fit right into Philly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you think. Um, but, yeah, I don't have too much Eagles comments. Just may- Maybe you can name some sleepers you have for us, just random guys that you like in this draft. Yeah, so one sleeper, not even necessarily for Philly, even though obviously at Philip there's no need. At wide receiver is um, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. He can be had in late fourth, fifth round. Um, but the, the problem with him is that in 2018, he had sexual assault allegations, which is never a good thing to have, um, which the case was ended up being dismissed. So he actually missed the entire 2018 season. Um, but then 
something that is actually quite interesting is Jeffrey Okuda. When he was asked what the toughest wide receiver he faced, Cephas is the guy that he named at the combine. So that would be interesting. Yeah, um, Big Ten championship. Big Ten championship game. Cephas had seven catches for 122 yards against Ohio State. I do remember him yeah. playing well. Yeah. I mean, and Cephas is just the kind of guy. I mean, he's he's not like he's not very fast. Uh, he's not like doesn't have like that one special ability, but he, he just does like everything well. So he's a guy I think can be one of those rookie contributors. I don't think his ceiling is that high, but I think he's got a higher floor than most. Yeah, I don't mind that. And also, Wisconsin barely throws the ball at all, too. So he yeah. could be one of those guys that you don't really. See. He averaged 15 yards a catch, too, this year. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. What about uh, keeping Penn State guy KJ Hamler at home and bringing him to Philly? Yeah, I mean, if the Eagles end up going uh, outside of our receiver in the first or they just don't go out here in the first, I think that'd be a. A pretty popular selection. Something that's interesting is he was actually roommates with Miles Sanders, their current running back, best friends. And just announced today is Miles Sanders is actually going to be announcing the second round pick. So if that ends up being KJ Hamler, that could be an interesting story to follow. Could could Miles Sanders ignore whatever uh, <laughs> GM said to just announce KJ Hamler? <laughs> Virtual draft? Is there any way around that? That would that would cause chaos. That would that would drive up the ratings. Friday night. Awesome. Oh, be electric. Yeah. I wasn't planning on tuning in for the Eagles second round. I plan on. Uh, I do. I would say that last year, uh, Caleb and Daniel were big into the drafts last year in Daniel's room. And Caleb, you pretty much called the pick last year. Andre Dillard, the uh, tackle at twenty-two. I don't know how you ever heard of this guy from Washington State. <laughs> you said right before the pick that you wanted him to take him, and then you were, yeah, you were very happy that they took him last year. You had, you had, you nailed that one last year. Yeah, I mean, putting in about two to three hours of draft stuff a day at this time of year doesn't really hurt. Um, it might be a little much, but at the same time, it also really does prepare for the draft, and you really know what's going on. All right, Caleb. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us, and then uh, hopefully uh, we keep KJ home in the uh, in the second round. <laughs> All right. All right. Now we welcome NFL draft enthusiast and possible expert Noah Rogers onto the pod. Uh, so Noah, let's um, get started here. Um, outside of the top fifteen or twenty guys, uh, a lot of NFL fans don't really know. Uh, who's getting drafted. That's why a lot of people shut the draft off after round one because they don't know these guys because they don't watch college football. But, um, oh, give us give us some guys that you like that maybe the average NFL fan or dislike, a guy that might go early that you don't think is a total bust. Uh, just tell us why. Give us a little scouting report. All right. Uh, yeah, sure. So two guys, both running backs, that are kind of argued the first top two. Um, and one I really like, one I really don't. First one is J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Um, I really like him over 2,000 yards this year, 21 touchdowns, 247 receiving yards. Um, And he actually averaged like four to five yards after contact on each run. So he's kind of shown that he can really break tackles. Uh, Then the guy that I really don't like 
is Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, and everyone's hype on him. He actually has the exact same stats as J.K. Dobbins, 2,003 yards, 21 touchdowns. The problem with him is the fact that he has 18 fumbles over the last three years, and he fumbles like once every two games, and he just doesn't have any ball security at all. And I think he's going to go either late first or early second round. Yeah, I like uh, – I just – I'm kind of biased against Ohio State always, but PJ mentioned uh, J.K. Dobbins. PJ is a big J.K. Dobbins guy. We didn't really get into him too much, though, but PJ does like him. said he was a steal uh, the second or third round. And Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin running back. Wisconsin running back, even though Melvin Gordon and James White – James White's kind of different because he was a backup there. But yeah. Wisconsin workhorse is kind of – Melvin, uh, Melvin Gordon had a horrible, god-awful rookie year. One of the worst rookie years I've ever seen. I don't think he had a single rushing touchdown, including preseason. Oh, yeah. Um, Monday Paul was like the greatest college running back ever, uh, just career-wise. He, I think he set the record for most yards, and he's he was out of the league in like two years. Um, and I'm blanking right now. But overall, Wisconsin running backs, especially one that has 1,000 carries or something on his career already, um, and a guy that's only ran out of eye formation, basically, which not many people run that in the NFL. Not everyone. Pats, Pats and 49ers do it. That's about it, though. Um, Definitely. Um, the other running back that I think is really good that doesn't get a lot of hype is the running back from LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, he, I think he has, like, the second most break, broken tackle ratings for running backs. I think he's only behind Zach Moss. From Utah. Um, and obviously Clyde is running at a much harder conference. So that's much harder to break tackles there. Yeah, I'm a big Clyde fan. PJ, you got any comments? Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about Jonathan Taylor being good in the NFL. Wisconsin brings in like seven guys to block for him in every single play against Illinois. So I don't know. I'm not a not a big Jonathan Taylor guy. Yeah, quite, Clyde always there is definitely, definitely a good player. Hard to bring down. And he was he was breaking tackles and calling game against Alabama in the fourth quarter. So that, that guy was a difference maker against Alabama. Yeah, I will say this about Jonathan Taylor, just looking at his stats. He had like 2,000 yards this year, and apparently 1,200 of those came after contact. So if you're trying to find a good thing about him. But yeah. He had a lot of catches too this year, which was usually Wisconsin running backs don't catch the ball over there other than James yeah. White. They don't, they don't throw the ball to running backs. They just – ground and pound but yeah uh, the one name that kind of gets annoying that everyone's always hype on is deandre swift like he doesn't seem to be that impressive at all that's because georgia has like four different running backs they don't really feed one guy the whole time i didn't like deandre swift this year either i have to back you up there pj that's your boy though i need you to you gotta yeah him. he's he's electric he, he's he's he can he can score basically any single time he touches the ball which makes him fun to watch all right. Well, I, what do you not like about him? He reminds me of Kamara, but maybe more athletic, faster. I'd say he reminds me of like more. He was like Kamara, but just he had he had wheels. And then this year, it, it wasn't the same. His, yeah, his number. Yeah, but I don't know. It wasn't the same. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like he just looking at his film, he looks slower this year, and I don't know if that has to do with his offensive line or how they're scheming him in there. If he if he gets healthy, he'll be he'll be good. All right. All right. I trust that. All right. Um have you guys talked about linebackers at all? 
Talked about Isaiah Simmons a little bit. Uh, that's about it, though. All right. Um, so I think my favorite out of everyone is probably Patrick Queen. I think he just kind of like watching his film. He seems like he has the best football IQ besides Isaiah Simmons. Just kind of watching how he moves around in the box or in coverage. Um, he's from LSU, right? Yeah, LSU. Yeah, um, Mel Kiper. We're uh, we were doing. We we're going to a Mel Kiper mock. I think Mel Kiper has me on the Ravens, and uh, I think that's. I mean, that's a safe bet. Mel, Pat Ravens did a linebacker. I don't know. Is this guy? I don't know too much about him really. I watched all his view, but I I was paying attention to the offense more than the defense. Yeah, that's about a ten, but um. I don't know. Everyone says he's good. LSU produces a ton of defensive talent every year. Um, I'm, re- yeah. I'm reading this uh, website, whodatdish.com, the Saints Saints website, and they want uh, Patrick Queen to stay local at pick 24. I believe that. I think he's definitely a later first-round pick. Um, then the other linebacker that's I think is really good is Willie Gage Jr. from Mississippi. I have no idea who that he, is. He... Um, yeah. So he's one of those linebackers that he never started, even though he's like incredibly athletic, 18 tackles, forced fumble, one interception. And that's with an eight game suspension for uh, he like cheated on a chemistry test or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So his character flaws, it's that he also punched his uh, QB and broke a bone in his face. Uh, yeah, so, but apparently uh, in his interviews at the Combine, uh, character flaws didn't come up at all. So it seems like he just kind of made like a couple bad uh, like choices. But athletically, they say he basically stacks like directly against Bob New Wagner. So I think he definitely has a lot of potential just athletic wise. Like he, I think everything except the 40, he did better in the Combine than uh, Isaiah Simmons. So, Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi. Mississippi State. Yes, at eight. Yeah. So, this guy, is he going to be the steal of drafts? I never even. You said he didn't start? I don't know how. Yeah, he. Apparently, he's never, like, been a starter, even though he was, like, apparently, like, the best player on their team. And I don't know if that's just the coach didn't realize what he had, or if it's, again, a character flaw with him where the coach. Didn't really trust him to be a starter. But apparently, he kind of just always performed. And he's one of those guys where, like, if you scheme him right and kind of get him in the right system, he could go off in the NFL. This guy barely played. I just read that he's probably going to go round three or get a round three grade from uh, the draft network. Which I don't even know if they're reliable. I've never used them before. In my they're life, that's they're okay. Yeah, I think he's around. Most people have him round three, round two. Um, I think it just kind of depends who gets taken before him. If there's like a rush on linebackers, or if people kind of wait till the second to start taking them more. But yeah, I think he's any kind other, of a sleeper. Any other sleepers you got? Um, not a ton. I mean, there's a guy from uh, Appalachian State 
uh, Keem Davis Gaither, uh, another linebacker, 49 tackles, five sacks, one interception. He's obviously coming from a smaller school, kind of. Um, but apparently he, like, stacks up great athletically. He's one of those guys who they think, like, smaller school, not a bunch of competition. But he could definitely translate into the NFL. But you, you've never seen him play? I've seen a little bit of his highlights. Uh, but I haven't watched an Appalachian State game. PJ, you're a big App State guy. Uh, right? Yeah, they're a nasty team. They would beat UMass by... 50. I, I don't think that's stay, I mean, saying much. Norwood High would probably beat UMass by 50, let's be honest. Uh, we need a quarterback. But, but yeah, State, if coronavirus doesn't interfere, we got football. we got App State UMass September 26th if the coronavirus allows. I can't wait for that game. App State's going to win by 60. I don't know who our QB is, but if we get a QB, look out. Wide receiver university is coming. Hey. Um, I like the App State pick. App State's good football. They beat Michigan. Never forget. So I like them. Of course. Um, I'm, I'm not a diehard App State fan by any means. But you are a diehard hate Michigan, Michigan fan. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't have much else. What do you want the Patriots to do at 23? That's one period. 23. I don't know. I either want them to move back further and get some more picks, like maybe something in the second or later in the first, um, or to take a edge rusher slash linebacker. Yeah, if I had to guess, that's probably the most likely what's going to happen. They're going to trade, especially because there's uh, all this stuff, whatever. They can't, uh, they haven't been able to get a closer look at dudes or whatever. But... Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming they're going to trade down, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so. unless like it happens like one of the top wide receivers fall to us, then I think we kind of have to go for that at 23, but I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, I I just, I just, don't think if they draft a wide receiver the first round two years in a row, that's such a bad luck for everyone that made the decision to draft Harry last oh, year. Oh, yeah. And, um, Belichick can't draft just, a wide receiver to save his life, so. They have too much pride to do that. And, yeah, they'll probably screw that thing. But yeah, I mind. think if they decide to stay at 23, I think smartest thing, you know, I think they'll do is go for a linebacker. So I think that's our yeah. – They don't have any linebackers left besides Ty Tower. And yeah, he so is. I'm, I'd like that. Yeah. No, I think that was our biggest loss right. in the offseason was linebacker. Yeah, definitely. They got to replace Collins and Van Noy, kind of. All right, I got nothing less up, nothing else left to add. Anything you got to add, PJ? Uh, yeah, App State week three plays Wisconsin on the road. That's a big test for us on the national stage against Wisconsin. Hopefully, they allow us to play it in front of Wisconsin fans, so we can uh, show the world what we're really made of. App State nation. Who's gonna have a better game against App State, ND or or better game against Wisconsin, ND? Or App State? Uh, I don't know. That, that Well, you never know because App State plays UMass the week after. So maybe like the Wisconsin game, the trap game, they'll be focusing on UMass before they play Wisconsin. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. We'll talk about that more in our college football episode in uh, like three months. All right. Uh, yeah. I got nothing less up to add. Thanks for coming Absolutely. on. Absolutely. It was fun. Definitely come on again. We'll talk some more draft, maybe next draft or Patriots or something. All right. Perfect. Talk to you guys later. Peace.